Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionists and dietitians from Nutritional Weight and Wellness. We explain the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned for practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through real food nutrition. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Well, Just welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. And I thank you for listening to us today. You know, I'm Darlene Kavist. And many people would say that you're a very seasoned nutritionist. You know, I've been working with clients for over 40 years. I've been reading research for over 40 years and attending nutritional conferences for over 40 years. And I still believe nutrition is the key to being healthy. It sure is. You know, we all know it's not a secret that what we put in our mouths affect our health. Honestly, even as nutritionists, we don't always want to believe that message. But in reality, we know it is true. So joining us this morning as one of our co-hosts is Carolyn Hudson. She's a very experienced registered dietitian, and she even won't tell you how many years. (laughs) I know it's over 30 years. So she's also sat through many weekends weekends listening to speakers talk about how food affects our health yes i have thank you dar (laughs) and uh, good morning to our listeners in fact both dar and i just spent last weekend listening to a number of absolutely wonderful speakers talk about how nutrition affects our heart health our immune system our hormones our weight our energy, and our digestion. So today, we really want to share some of our knowledge and our thoughts about how what we eat affects the physical health of our mind. Isn't that interesting? Think Mm. about that for a moment. What we eat actually affects the physical health of our mind. Yes, and that's an interesting thought and an interesting topic. You know, until very recently... When people talked about the mind, they were just referring to our thoughts and our feelings. And even since before Freud, Freud, you know, and actually my first degree was in psychology. So this kind of... This is right up your alley, right? Yes, it is. (laughs) You know, psychologists and therapists simply had us focus on life events, you know, on on our traumas and on all the feelings and emotions we experienced in the past. We talked a lot about the past. Mm-hmm. in therapy. Yep. Today we want to talk about the physical health of your mind, which means looking more in depth at the brain. This may be a new way of looking at depression or anxiety. We're considering the physical health of the mind. So the question we might ask, how healthy is your brain? Yeah, but before we delve into our discussion, I have the pleasure of introducing to our listeners a new voice on Dishing Up Nutrition. Joining us today is Melanie Beasley, who is another experienced, (laughs) (laughs) registered and licensed dietitian. Okay, now, now... Melanie, how many years is it? Oh, at least 30. (laughs) Carol and I are running a race. Yeah, Yeah. we're running a race, and I'm not admitting to how many past 30 it is. (laughs) But um, Melanie has worked with a variety of clients in many different settings. So welcome, Melanie. Thank you. So it's great to have you here. So I wonder if you would mind sharing with us a little about your work experience 
um, with all of our listeners and also about some of your own health struggles. Because I know that our clients really want to hear that we not only talk the story of nutrition, but we also personally walk the talk by living it, right? That is the truth. That's the truth. Good morning, Carolyn and Adar. I'm I'm pretty excited um, to be here. This is a new experience for me. I'm always up for a new adventure. Uh, we'll see how this rolls out if you have me back. But um, we will. We will. Um, I have a long-standing history in nutrition. I've worked as a prison dietitian. Uh, it's my first job. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> Much to my mother's dismay. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I served in the military as a naval dietitian. I've worked with um, hospitals, clinics, addiction centers, um, taught for many classes. Uh, so it's it's always been my passion. It became more of my passion when I had my own personal health crisis in 2005. Um, you know, I, I had a back surgery. And then two weeks later, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Wow. I always tell my clients, I like to do everything at one time. (laughs) So uh, I came across um, some information for cancer as a dietitian, but I was so ill, I had to let my license lapse. Mm. I had multiple surgeries, probably five or six in a span of a year and treatments. And I came out of it cancer free. Wonderful. But I was sicker than I've ever been in my life. I bet. Yeah. Uh, close to bedridden, I suffered from migraines and fatigue, uh, depression, uh, chronic infections, and just all over pain. So it, now you really understand what clients are going through. I do. Your heart just can really step into their situation when you look into the desperation that they're looking for relief. Because you've been there. Yeah. I've been there. It's miserable. Mm-hmm. And I always tell my clients it's, it's chemistry. It's really not your character. Mm-hmm. So if we get it straightened out, yeah, you know, providing relief for our clients is the biggest joy, I think, in our job. Mm-hmm. I, and, I agree with you. And you're not crazy. I'm not you know, crazy. Well, because a lot of people, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> but a lot of people in that situation start feeling like they're crazy because doctors aren't listening to yes. them and, you know. It so, is not their character. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, that's great. So you've had a lot of different experiences. You've had your own health issues. And you understand people. It is it is totally wonderful to get your life back. Yes. Mm-hmm. So today, we will explain that what you eat affects your brain. And I think that's a whole new thought for a lot of people. It, it really is. I know every time I say that to clients, they just go, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> so there are certain foods that boost your brain function. And there are certain foods that may zap your brain function. You know, this morning, if you were pouring milk over your bowl of cereal, did you think, will this boost my brain function? Or will that genetically modified grains and sugar in the cereal zap my brain function? Well, you know what we think. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Most of us know that sugar increases our triglyceride number. And I don't even know if most people know that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Most of my clients don't know that when we go through their lipid panels. But yeah, triglycerides Mm -hmm. go up with sugar Mm -hmm. and research has found that a high triglyceride number puts people at risk for heart disease and stroke. So that's really an important number to know. So how does sugar affect our mind or our brain function? Well, we know the brain uses more energy than any other organ. That's that's another new thought, right? It is (laughs) more than the liver. 
more than the kidneys and more than the heart. That's shocking. It is shocking. So we've got to treat it right. So the right amount of glucose is the brain's fuel source. However, if your brain gets too much sugar, your thinking skills are impaired and... Of course, your self-control becomes impaired. Mm-hmm. So excess sugar can produce actually an addiction-like behavior in the brain, leading to that loss of self-control and mood swings, lack of focus, and memory issues. And I think, Carolyn, maybe say that one more time, because that's a big, that's a big statement that you just said. Sugar so, does what? Sugar produces an addiction-like behavior in the brain, and that leads to loss of self-control, those horrible mood swings, lack of focus, and memory issues. And I bet right after Halloween... I can't even imagine those poor <laughs> teachers in the classroom. And mothers. And mothers. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> you know that excess sugar is so damaging. It's something we always talk about. Uh, as a dietitian, I help my clients first. We look at the foods they're eating. So if they're experiencing depression and anxiety, memory loss, irritability, and addictions, one of my first questions is, is to ask them, what foods are you eating that could cause your brain to feel fatigued? I usually get sort of the deer in the headlights look (laughs) because um, they don't realize the connection between feeling spacey or fearful or irritable out of control to sugar. Yeah. Interesting. You said one of the symptoms is feeling fearful. Fearful. Mm -hmm. And we have have a lot of people with that going on. Yeah. Well... Believe it or not, it's ready for our first break. So you're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Last week on the evening news, it was reported that just last year, 2017, had the highest number of people experiencing cold and flu symptoms and the most people dying from these symptoms. We know from like research conducted over 37 years ago that eating sugar reduces your immune fiction function by 50% for several hours. So the question you may be asking is, what should my family and I eat, especially during the holiday season, to protect our immune system? Guess what? We have just the class for you. Nutrition to get you through the cold and flu season. And it's only $10. You're going to walk away with eating with an eating plan that supports your energy, weight loss, and immune function. So go to weightandwellness.com or call 651-699-3438 and sign up at a time and location that's convenient for you. Well, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. If you're either in that perimenopause or menopause phase of life and are experiencing hot flashes, You're not alone. Did you know that 80% of women in menopause experience hot flashes? So if you're in menopause and you're not experiencing hot flashes, good for you. But, you know, really, it is not necessary to suffer with hot flashes. People have no idea that just a few changes will make a difference. So join us Saturday, November 10th at our Maple Grove location for our menopause survival seminars to get solutions to your questions. You know, ever since we began offering this seminar about three years ago, we have had only positive comments 
from all those I've attended. Not one negative. That's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> you know, and I promise you, you'll learn, laugh, and enjoy the day and have really healthy food, too. We'll leave with a newfound menopause zest. And if you're interested, call 651-699-3438, or you can go online at weightandwellness.com to sign up. And honestly, I plan to be there. Oh, yeah. It's to answer a great any of seminar. your personal questions. So yeah. come on over. So, you know, before we went to break, we were talking about our brain health, right? That's what our store or what that's what our show is all about today. So we all have a very complex brain system and no single neurotransmitter or neural pathway or brain region actually works alone, right? Mm hmm. So just like, you know, a single supplement or an herb or any of your foods, they don't work alone. It takes all of the nutrients working together to achieve results. So if you or a family member is struggling with depression or anxiety or memory problems, let's just talk about some simple changes you can make in in what you're eating to to improve that brain health. You know, Carolyn, we often talk here at Nutritional Weight and Wellness as change your nutrition to change your brain. Oh, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) I say it all the time. (laughs) Your thoughts and feelings correlate to the physical health of your brain. That's a big statement. It is. It's a new thought for people. You know, this is certainly a new way to look at helping people overcome ADHD, depression, anxiety, memory loss, all those things that affect our brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and talking about uh, some of the food things that can affect our brain. First, let's look at the simple food additive MSG or monosodium glutamate. I mean, how does your brain function on MSG? People don't think that that could possibly affect their brain. Mm-hmm. You know, MSG is just a food additive that dilates the blood vessels and can really short circuit your focus and your attention. Uh, Not only does MSG confuse your thinking, but it is actually a neurotoxin. And that's that's, that's something people... Yeah, Yeah, I'm sure they don't know that. Yes, it's alarming. Um, I always call it an additive that lies. It tells our brains that what we're eating actually tastes better than it does. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good way to put it, Melanie. I like that. I'm going to steal that from you. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it wears out our brains. It wears out our brain cells and they become fatigued and therefore you can lack the ability to function effectively. So if you're struggling with ADHD, depression or anxiety, we recommend that you avoid those foods containing MSG. And most of you migraine sufferers sufferers are well aware of that MSG connection to migraines. But do you know why? MSG may trigger a migraine for you. I think a lot of people don't, right? Mm -hmm. So why is MSG bad for your brain? Well, that MSG actually stimulates an excitatory neurotransmitter, which encourages nerve cells to fire more frequently and more rapidly. So it sounds like, Carolyn, that it, it makes your brain almost overwork. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's like overfiring, over, mm-hmm. you know, overstimulated. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the result may be a migraine or possibly one of those emotional outbursts. So think about your 
children mm-hmm. and that <laughs> and some of this stuff i wish i would have known a while ago but um so but now i have grandchildren and i can try to figure it out right that's right so uh if you're sensitive to msg and if you experience migraines when you're exposed to it we recommend of course that you avoid msg but you may be thinking but how do i avoid the foods that contain msg because it's really often hidden, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. a hidden additive in many foods. So yes, MSG can be difficult to avoid unless you're eating very clean. You know, Carolyn, I I always I tell my friends that I am a, I'm a good barometer for MSG because I get a migraine. So oh, you do. I should be a food tester for people. Yeah. No, but um, in our nutrition classes, we point out that MSG may appear as natural flavors Mm -hmm. on food labels. It's found in so many commercial salad dressings and soup bases, meat stocks and sauces, frozen foods, and of course, those fast foods. So perhaps you lack attention or you have impulsive symptoms of ADHD and they're not the result of trauma, but maybe instead it might be the result of eating fast food for lunch. Mm Mm-hmm. Or there's a millions of things that affect our brain chemistry. And MSG is just one of them. Just one, right. And it's in everything. It is. It is. And it, it is disguised. So we really have to watch. I know I always tell people when it says natural flavors, red flag, mm-hmm. red flag. You really don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. wish we did, but we, we don't. Uh, inside our brain really are billions and billions of nerve cells. And they're connected by billions of fibers called axons and dendrites. The activity between them actually controls your thoughts and your feelings, your personality, your moods, and your memory. So interesting. That, I think that's an interesting point because it's this interaction that's going on in your brain mm-hmm. that controls what? It controls everything, really. Your thoughts, your feelings, your personality, your mood, your memory. So, you know, all of those axons and dendrites and billions of nerve cells in your brain, your brain is your control center. And it is very vulnerable to its environment. And it reacts to, guess what? Food, Mm -hmm. drugs, herbs, exercise usually in a good way right yeah. and of course all of our lifestyle habits like smoking oh yes <laughs> yes you know and to get a little personal another mood zapper and even a sexual performance inhibitor can show up in your lunch in the form of hot dogs or deli meats containing huh. the preservatives called nitrates oh i bet you caught attention there i no, did I mean. everyone's listening now <laughs> if you eat hot dogs or cold cuts containing nitrates they can impair the effectiveness of nitric oxide, which is vital to moods and libido. So if you still want to eat hot dogs, brats, or cold cuts, we definitely encourage you to choose nitrate-free foods so your brain can function properly. When you're looking for a hot dog or a deli meat, maybe for a picnic, you want to make sure it says no nitrates, no antibiotics, no added hormones, no grain products, no preservatives, and no MSG. And that's a lot of no's, but yeah. you're saying yes to health, right? Yeah, and that's a, that would be what we call a clean food, right? Clean food. You know, I know we're talking about 
foods that affect our emotions and our memory. But before we discuss foods and supplements that support our emotions, let's discuss one lifestyle habit that is critical for having a healthy, functioning brain. It is a habit that affects about 80% of the population. And guess what it is? It's the lack of sleep. Oh, boy. (laughs) Inadequate sleep is a mood zapper. Inadequate sleep is a memory zapper. And inadequate sleep is an attention and concentration zapper. It is a fact that when you sleep less than eight hours most nights, your concentration and focus is reduced by, guess what, 70%. That's a lot, isn't it? Uh Uh-huh. You're walking around like a zombie. (laughs) (laughs) We've all been there. Yeah, we have all been there. there, For sure, for sure. Well, guess what? It's time for our second break already. So um, you're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. In the past, people generally changed their nutrition only to lose weight. But now people are sitting down with a dietitian or nutritionist to learn how to eat for better digestion or to have less pain and inflammation or how to get rid of hormonal mood swings. Do you need a change in your nutrition to feel better? Maybe you need a class or an individual consultation. Don't let poor nutrition ruin your holidays. We can help you. (laughs) Call us 651-699-3438 today and ask any and all of your questions. Welcome back to Dishy Dep Nutrition. You know, one of my early nutrition jobs was working as a dietitian in the Navy. It was such... Such a privilege. So this research reported in the American Journal of Nutrition definitely caught my eye. The research is titled, The Influence Habitual Protein Intake on Body Composition and Muscular Strength in Career Firefighters. I don't, 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 don't you think they could have come up with a better title? <laughs> it's a little it's wordy. research. Yes. <laughs> I found this information really surprising. Despite the extreme physical demands and dangers associated with the job, the percentage of firefighters considered overweight and obese exceeds that of the general U.S. population. That's shocking. Isn't that Uh sad? This research found higher protein intake was associated with more favorable body composition, that protein. In male career firefighters, this research also found firefighters did their best when eating 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram of body mass. So, what does know, that mean? Yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> I'm that sure you lost a, a few people there. <laughs> so, for example, if you were an 80, 180 pound firefighter, you should eat about 144 grams of protein daily which is equivalent to about 20 ounces of protein per day. That's a lot. That's Mm -hmm. a lot. And I am sure most people aren't doing that. I mean, 180 pounds, but still, most men would still say, oh, that's probably too much protein for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or or you throw a little protein in a salad and think you've got it covered, but you don't. We at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, we would love to help those firefighters, (laughs) wouldn't we? Yes. And help them maintain a healthy body composition. Mm -hmm. Well, before we went to break, uh, Dar was telling us about how lack of sleep affects us. And she said that sleeping less than eight hours actually reduces your concentration and focus by 70%. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. So mm-hmm. extreme sy- symptoms of lack of sleep in- also include things like paranoia. Isn't that sh- that's shocking? Paranoia. 
Yeah. Yeah. And lack of, you know, inability to concentrate, lack of being able to concentrate, loss of memory, loss of your ability to think. Now, you know, (laughs) I certainly have had that happen, you know, in the in the years when, you know, my dad was ill and stuff. When you were doing caregiving. Yeah, caregiving and those overnight stays Mm -hmm, sometimes. mm -hmm. It was like the next day I was like a zombie. (laughs) So seriously, long-term sleep deprivation can lead to high cortisol levels, which can lead to weight gain and even cell death. Mm -hmm. You know, that's so true, Carolyn. I see so many of my clients, they're sleep deprived and they're just miserable and they're trying to lose weight. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't work, does it? It doesn't. Mm -hmm. And if sleep is so important and nutrition is the key to a good night's sleep, I really, really encourage people to come in who are struggling with sleep because we have solutions. They can make an appointment with us at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, and one of our dietitians can help them with their sleep problems. I mean, um, we have a lot of ideas for people. We're mm-hmm. real, we really have some great ideas that nutrition can um, master this problem. And generally, one of the simplest for clients I recommend are higher doses of magnesium glycinate. Mm-hmm. That's a go-to, sleep. right? It's a miracle mineral. It often takes about 600 to 800 milligrams of magnesium glycinate at bedtime. So that means it takes more than just taking one. It really yeah. does. Yeah. It means it's taking six. Six. They're usually about 100 milligrams. And it needs to be that magnesium glycinate. Because it gets absorbed. Yes. Mm-hmm. We don't want to trigger someone into diarrhea. But with a different, so Uh with, um, with that, they can also do like five to 10 milligrams of melatonin. You know, as a cancer survivor, I've looked at the research about melatonin and I find it, um, in all the research, it supports the immune system and it's actually an anti-cancer supplement. I take it every night. So Melanie, that's a very interesting thing. You actually take melatonin every night, not necessarily just to sleep. But it's a cancer prevention. Yeah, protection. Mm-hmm. Protection. And I think we even heard uh, that last weekend at our at our conference, conference right? Yes. And I was really taking note of that because I'm, I haven't been taking melatonin, mm-hmm. but I think I'm going to start. Unless <laughs> I sleep wonderfully. <laughs> well, I think I'm going to start with that low dose. May, and but, maybe, you know, who knows? But maybe that's how it works because people are sleeping better when they take melatonin. Good thought. Yeah. Mm. Excellent. So a few years ago, when we had clients with sleep problems, all they really needed was to take a couple nutrients and they were able to sleep. But now we need to really look deeper at and, you know, deeper at what's going on and maybe suggest supplements like 5-HTP because that helps with our serotonin production. Of course, that's one of the uh, neurotransmitters. And um, it will help support the neurotransmitter GABA. And sometimes we have to add in L-taurine. And that's another trans- neurotransmitter for your brain. And it's very, very common. So there's no one kind of cookie cutter type answer for every client. And sometimes it isn't simple. <laughs> um, and or sometimes it can just be really something simple about not going to bed hungry. Exactly. Or having the right bedtime snack so that helps support your sleep. Because the brain needs to have the correct amount of glucose throughout the night in order to be able to sleep. So people that wake up in the middle of the night, 
They're the ones that really need that bedtime snack. So some research says that lack of sleep is one of the leading causes of depression. Going back to our whole brain health thing, mm-hmm. right? And heart disease and obesity. You know, I think, Carolyn, one of the things that we hear all the time, because in the past, they people always heard that, oh, you shouldn't eat at bedtime. Right. Yeah. Stop eating after dinner. Because you won't lose weight if you do. So then, particularly women, are always going to bed hungry. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Then they can't sleep. And then they gain more weight. Mm-hmm. Crazy, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, in Dr. Daniel Amen's book, I love his writings, but it in his book called Making a Good Brain Great, it was written in 2005. He wrote, you are what you eat. Literally all the cells in your body, including your brain cells, make themselves new every five months. Oh, I didn't know that. Five months? Yeah. Wow. Yes. So Dr. Amen wow. said food is as powerful as any medicine that science can design. I love the things that he says. Um, You know, he has such a simple understanding of what helps people. Eat right and you feel better. Eat wrong, such as have three donuts to start your day, and you could feel maybe stupid (laughs) in 30 to 60 minutes. That brain fog, right? (laughs) Yeah, brain fog. So... Again, what we're talking about today isn't new information. And it's not the first time we've talked about how food affects emotions on dishing up nutrition. But it is very interesting that the sales of antidepressants are on the rise. And so we decided it was important enough to discuss this topic again because we want food to be on the on right, the rise. <laughs> right. Food, how we eat should be at the top of everybody's list. So in fact, sales of antidepressants have increased 65% in the past 15 years. That what? is sh- that it, is unbelievable. But we're seeing it all the time, aren't we? All the time. All the time. You know, approximately 17% of women take antidepressants. And the suicide rate has increased by 24% in the past 15 years. 24%. Yeah. So our longtime listeners all know food affects our moods. So why might I ask if a person is experiencing low moods or irritability or anxiety, why isn't the first appointment people make to get well an appointment with a nutritionist or dietitian rather than that may be the psychiatrist. Yes, exactly. Yes. I mean, when you're in a place, you know, you're in that low mood, you really are just looking for relief. And I don't think people think food is the place. So let's let's get back to the biochemical reasons for why eating the right foods support our moods and our emotions. On Dishing Up Nutrition and at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, we recommend eating protein and vegetables or fruits and beneficial fat every three hours. And, and that is a really difficult habit to establish. Are isn't we it? not mm-hmm. the most fat phobic <laughs> nation? Yes. Um, but of course, if we're eating every three hours, it helps to balance the blood sugar like Carolyn was talking about. And it helps prevent diabetes. So how does protein influence our moods and emotions? Um, let, me, let me just break this down. We recommend eating protein several times throughout the day. You know, not that little splash of protein on a salad, but several times. 
because protein is the building block of all our neurotransmitters. And protein is the building block of all our brain chemicals, including those as uh, considering dopamine, serotonin, acetylcholine, and many, many more. So this is how it works. Protein breaks down into amino acids, which turn in and in turn make our neurotransmitters. The neurotransmitter dopamine, that's what gives us the focus and the energy and the positive moods. And the neurotransmitter serotonin gives you that sense of well-being and a sense of calm and happiness. Don't we all want that? Oh, absolutely. You know, I think before we keep going here further, you know, I think the mouthful that you just said. <laughs> okay, let's go back to getting people to think, okay, protein. So like you said, that little smitter of protein that is on a salad, you know, that's probably about two ounces. Easily. That yeah. is not enough protein at all. So it's time for our last break. Oh, so we'll okay. get back to that okay, after okay, that. Okay. So you're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. And I want to personally thank you for listening today. If you like our show, Dishing Up Nutrition, I encourage you to ask your friends and family to listen to either a live broadcast or you can listen to it online on your favorite, however you get your favorite podcast. We are on a mission to help everyone experience good health through real food nutrition. If you like our podcast, we would love you to write us a a review. We spend many hours each week putting together a podcast that we believe will make a difference in your health and your life. Thank you again for listening to us. So, you know, we were talking before we went on break about the need to have protein because kind of running through this one more time so people understand when you eat a piece of protein, it actually breaks down and makes your it makes um, well, it makes your neurotransmitters makes but all um, a bunch of them, a bunch of them. So it makes our dopamine, which gives us focus and energy, mm-hmm. and we feel great. It makes our serotonin, which makes us feel calm. It makes a neurotransmitter that's called taurine, which is a, is actually helps us feel again calm and relaxed. So there's a many many different uh, neurotransmitters. Actually, there's a couple of hundred different ones. And the base of that is eating a little bit of protein several times a day. So we constantly supply our brain with the neurotransmitters. Right. Such right. a simple solution. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And it, but it, it doesn't actually, like, like, you know, during break, it doesn't act as probably as fast. Well, maybe it does as fast as an antidepressant. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, what I tell my clients is that the antidepressants aren't actually making more neurotransmitters. No. They're That's only right. holding what that client has in between their brain cells long enough for those brain cells to get it into the brain cells. So what I want to do and what we all do is help you make more neurotransmitters. So and that's protein. Eating that's protein. Protein, protein, several, protein, protein. Several times a day. Yep. <laughs> so the neurotransmitter acetylcholine helps you with your memory and your learning as well as your muscles and central nervous system. So if you're deficient in protein, you may experience the, uh uh-oh, I can't stop with one type of behavior. Or maybe you might be feeling anxious and weepy or have a poor memory. So we've been talking about protein. So here we go again. Protein helps us supply us with a mineral, zinc. Now, why do we need zinc? 
we need zinc in our bodies daily because we can't store it. Right. And about a three ounce piece of meat, like beef, supplies us with about seven milligrams of zinc, which is the amount of zinc we need to help our neurotransmitters function. So in our brain, we need zinc for our neurotransmitters to work. So if you lost your sense of taste or smell, that's an indication that maybe your zinc is low. And mm-hmm. we have seen this in, in people that are older. Right. Yeah. They've we, lost their appetite. Mm-hmm. They can't eat. So they're not interested because it, nothing tastes good. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. If you lose your sense of smell, you actually can't taste. Yes. So, yes. You know, mm-hmm. it's so, very interesting. Another critical vitamin that you get from meat that is important for your nerves is B12. So about 15% of the population is low in vitamin B12. And if you're low in vitamin B12, you can experience tingling in your hands and feet. And additionally, you might experience confusion and feeling exhausted or wiped out. I mean, I've had a a client recently came in. She thought she had neuropathy Mm -hmm. and um, she got tested. It was a low B12. We started her on a good B12 and the tingling went away Mm -hmm. and she was so relieved. What what a great solution. Yeah. Easy too, right? Mm -hmm. And we often see that B12 in vegetarians, don't we? Yeah. Deficiency. Deficiency in B12. So we always have to ask questions. Ask a million questions, right? We are Mm -hmm. buttonskis, aren't we? (laughs) (laughs) But, 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 could you repeat that again? Or could... Tell me more about that symptom or, right? We do. You know, we we're do. always saying that, you know, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, and I don't think that people have the uh, understanding that food has as much power and as much influence on our brain chemistry. They just, I think they just think that it sits up there and it doesn't need nutrients. Mm-hmm. But like you said in the, earlier in the show, it takes, it has, it uses up the most energy of any organ in our body. Right, right. And then the other thing that I think people are just still blown away about is we actually make these things in our gut. Yes. And they just like their eyes is wide open. They go, what? Mm-hmm. what? I don't make that in my brain. I'm going, no, no, your brain can't actually make that, but you're, it, it's made in your, in your gut. It's and all, then it, it goes to your brain. You it's know? always the starting place. Yes. And people are surprised that... Mm-hmm when they have digestive issues, that it can be causative of their anxiety and their depression. Right, right. And they're just blown away when we when we say, okay, let's fix those digestion issues mm-hmm. first, and then we can move on to the next step because everything begins in the gut, right? Mm-hmm. So, And we heard that over and over this weekend. We did. Again, yeah. And we say it all the time ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as you have just heard, food affects your emotions, because food and nutrients affect your brain health, and your brain health drives emotional health. That's a big statement, actually. It sure your is. brain health drives your emotional health. How many people ever really think that way? They think it's a character flaw. Don't yes, they yeah. do. When they think it's a character flaw, they're just defeated. And um, I always encourage my clients: Let's. You've tried everything else. Mm-hmm. Let's just give food a try. Let's give nutrition a try. What have you got to lose? It's just food. Right. And, you right. know, I think the other thing that, Carolyn, you said that we actually need food. We need that protein to make our amino acids. So if we are taking antidepressants, they actually work. They work better. 
Much better. Yeah, because we have more of those neurotransmitters that need to get into our brain cells so that we aren't anxious. We're not depressed. We don't have those mood swings. And then I think early on in the show, we were talking a little bit about sugar. Mm -hmm. You know, sugar may give us that temporary high feeling Mm -hmm. and good feeling. But then what happens? We crash. We crash. And then our brain gets into that foggy area and, you know, you Carolyn, know, uh, you know, another connection, we talk about um, sugar a lot, but gluten for me, gluten, yes. definitely. Um, my daughters, if I, I call it getting glutened, <laughs> if I got glutened and my daughters the next day will look at me and say, did you have gluten? Because I'm dialed down. My mood is lower. Okay. And people don't make the connection between there's certain food intolerances mm-hmm. that can dramatically affect you. So let's go back with that one. Okay. So you're intolerant to gluten. You mm-hmm. know, someone else might be intolerant to dairy or, you know, whatever, oh. and nuts or seeds or things mm-hmm. like that. And that, what does that do? That affects your gut, right? And, and, and it actually damages your gut lining so that then you're not able to make those neurotransmitters from the protein that you ate. Yes, it it dramatically can affect the brain. So Mm -hmm. you have to look at some of those kind of food sensitivities, you know, that people are having in order to really change our brain health. And, but it all, again, begins right in the gut, right? And we know that a lot of times that when, when people are deficient in B12, they either are not eating enough protein or they're eating protein and digestively, they can't break it down, right. so we can't get it into our cells. So going back to your gluten story, a lot of people that have a gluten sensitivity seems like they also have a B12 deficiency. Yes. yes. So it mm-hmm. all fits together, and that's what we try to do. We're not just in the business of helping people lose weight. Yes. We're yeah. not walking around being the nutritional hand slappers. No. Well, and, and when someone does come into my office with weight issues and wants to lose weight, but then I read their health questionnaire and there's like five autoimmune things going on and maybe some lipid issues. I'm going, ah, you know, we really need to work on getting you healthy first mm-hmm. to lose weight. And then what about the sleep thing, Dar? You were right. talking a lot about the sleep. Mm-hmm. When we interviewed, um, oh, the book on why we sleep. Mm-hmm. Oh, Matthew my, Walker. That was just unbelievable, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. it I, the, the information he linked to what happens with sleep, or lack of sleep, um, was fascinating. And I think what happens is that people realize that they're not sleeping but they don't know what to do about it. And so then they go and they try to take a drug. And I think he said it very ni- nicely in his book. Those drugs sedate you. And it feels like you're sleeping. But honestly, you're not getting into that REM sleep. So that's not really effective for how it's going to help your brain function. Right, exactly. So and- we go all the way back and we try to help people get to the bottom of the sleep, and maybe it's something as simple as magnesium and melatonin, but maybe it's more complex than that. So that's what we do every day. Mm-hmm. So you have to think, change your nutrition to change your emotional health. 
So our goal at Nutritional Weight and Wellness is to help each and every person experience better health through eating real food. It's a simple yet powerful message. Eating real food is life-changing. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.